So I'm Dr. Amy Robbins, and welcome to Life, Death, and the Space Between podcast. I'm a licensed clinical psychologist and medium, and here we explore life, death, consciousness, and what it all means. And today I have two guests on with me. It's my first threesome on the show. Um, And um, we are going to be talking about Reimagine. So Reimagine is a non-for-profit organization that draws on the arts, design, medicine, and spirituality to transform taboo cultural attitudes around death and grief and to address the inequities surrounding how we live and how we die. I have Brad Wolf and Dara Klosberg from Reimagine on the show. Brad is uh, Reimagine's founder and executive director. And before becoming a non-for-profit, Reimagine was initially inspired by Open IDEO's End of Life Challenge. We're going to get into that. And was led by Brad as part of an Open IDEO, I might be saying that wrong, project exploring art and end of life. Open IDEO? Is that? that Open IDEO is how I would. IDEO. I'm sure that's how they refer to it, but you know, it's, it's a user centered organization. So if that's how you pronounce it, then maybe that's the best way to to say it. Okay. Um, Brad also founded the Sunbeam foundation for pediatric cancer research in memory of his friend, Sarah. He has an MA in sociology from Stanford and an MBA from UC Berkeley, where he served as a lecturer on topics of innovation and design. Sarah Kosberg is the Director of Programming at Reimagine. She has 15 years of experience developing educational programs, cross-sector partnerships, and large-scale events for non-for-profit and for-profit organizations. At Reimagine, she oversees their programming efforts, including festivals and online programming. Dara is the founding team member of The Dinner Party, TDP, a nationwide community of mostly 20s and 30-somethings who have experienced significant loss. There, she developed an initiative to create an inclusive and supportive workplace culture in the time of loss. Welcome, both of you, to the show today. If you haven't subscribed to my newsletter yet, please go to dramyrobbins.com and go ahead and subscribe. Every other week, I send out guided insights called Soul Wisdoms and also give you a little sneak peek as to what's on the show, what you can hear coming up on wherever you get your podcasts, and also what you can join me live on Fireside for. So Fireside is a platform where you can come on, the audience can ask questions and participate in my show. Also, if you haven't been had a chance to check out my Patreon page, just go to Patreon and put in my name, Amy Robbins, and you can see the different levels if you become a subscriber to uh, any of that, then there's little added bonuses that you get at each level, 5, 10, and 20, or whatever you can to support the show. Thank you all for your support and enjoy the show. Thank you for having us. Yeah, thanks, so, Amy. So let's start with the open IDEO. IDEO? IDEO. IDEO. <laughs> Uh, and how that led to reimagine. Sure. Um, so it, it began in 2016. Um, IDEO, which is a, it's a innovation firm, really one of the leaders in the world at thinking about how to use what's called human centered design 
to build um, new products and solutions for some of the world's biggest challenges. And they were hosting a uh, worldwide design competition to inspire people to uh, develop solutions that reimagined how we might transform our experience of death for the people that we love. And as part of that, that challenge that they put out to the world, they hired, I, I was brought in to think about the intersection of art and the end of life. Um, they saw that, that art might have a significant role to play. And myself as a musician who, who played music um, for many years during the death of one of my, my best friends and then went on to use music as a, as a modality to connect people around these themes um, and has a background myself in design, was brought in to think about, yeah, what, what is the role of art and creativity around death? Uh, and, and it turns out, you know, as we all know, that there's something so spiritual about, about our, our process of, of, of that sacred transition, you, you might say, and sometimes words alone aren't enough. And so there is quite a large role uh, for, for, for different modalities for music and even comedy and uh, visual art as, as ways to express ourselves in those moments. And so what we prototyped within IDEO at the time was a citywide, kind of a mini citywide festival that brought together artists and creative people from across San Francisco to open up conversations using the arts as a way in to explore these topics um, and to also make it more accessible for people who are afraid of talking about death and dying, because uh, as we all know, it can be very scary to broach those subjects and they often connote really some of the worst parts of many of our lives or the, and this certainly that's how we're, we're, we're raised to think. Um, and so we were, we wanted to figure out a different way in, to those conversations. And as we know, the arts are also a great way into any any topic, um, whether it be a movie or like we, I just mentioned a comedy or other other form forms of art. So that really got us going as an organization to think about how we bring people from different backgrounds and different uh, ways of thinking together, not just art, but also spirituality and religion and innovation and design um, and also medicine and and healing so that that uh we had a successful prototype in san francisco where we had 40 events across the city in in a, in a couple days and it was really inspiring and dara that's where i had the chance to meet you maybe you want to and, and i met dara there who um at that time was working with the dinner party and and we partnered together dara hosted one of those first 40 events and why don't you share if you might a little bit about that experience. Yeah, um, so I hosted a dinner party um, that was for about 80 people to talk about community support in times of loss when you know people showed up for you or community showed up for you or didn't. Um, and uh, this was a wonderful opportunity for you know, the organization, the dinner party to kind of connect with the sort of 
public and create intergenerational conversations. Um, so although our you know community was invited and about half of the people who showed up were in their 20s and 30s, um, a large number of people from the public came as well. Um, and it was really, you know, I participated in one of the dinners because um, we had people in groups of about eight. Um, and it was just, it was, um, you know, it's, it's very comforting, obviously, to talk to people who are sort of in the same stage of life as you. But then it was another, um, I, I, I really enjoyed the conversation, kind of learning from people who were, you know, significantly older than me, um, who had, you know, experienced loss as well as a young person and sort of how they shared their journey. And did you find that there really had not been a space for that? I mean, when there's not a space for something, we create it, right? Yes. Yeah. I mean, I, I mean, I, I, I can't say that there, there were no spaces for that, but that was not something that I had personally experienced or been given an opportunity to um, participate in. Especially in public, in, in public settings. I think mm -hmm. that's where, where it's different. And you might think, oh, wow, like talking about these subjects, you know, maybe they, they take place in at the graveyards or in funeral homes or maybe in small hush conversations with your loved ones in, in sad ways. Um, but it turns out, I think that we've discovered through Reimagine so far is that talking about these topics that are actually very personal, but with potentially with people you don't know, it's sometimes easier. And it also makes you realize a lot of the crazy experiences we have as uh, Dr. Robbins, you know, about, about, you can call me Amy. I could, um, <laughs> but about, about, uh, death and dying and, and the afterlife that they feel like, wow, I've gone through something so unique to me that no one would understand this. But what we learn since we never talk about them or rarely do that when you talk to people who aren't right in your inner circle, you realize that people of very different backgrounds have had um, some experiences that might, you know, you can really connect across those experiences and realize that we humans are, are, are in many ways quite the same. Well, and death is a universal experience, right? There's really no escaping yeah. it. Um, we're all gonna do it at some point. We've all probably experienced, if you live long enough, if you have animals, if you have friends, if you have loved ones, usually you experience death at some point because there's no way around it, being human. Um, what have you seen, or, or tell me how sort of reimagined kind of emerged out of this. And I'm really curious how you incorporate art and comedy into death and music. And I mean, music makes a little bit more sense to me, but art and comedy in particular. Dara. Dara, <laughs> so, Dara, Dara by the, the way, comedian. she actually is a comedian. So, and, and so... Um, no promises I'm going to be funny on this call. I, just, I feel like I just need to do that disclaimer. It's too much pressure. Um, so, yeah, so I, I mean, as um, my, my background is actually in visual arts. Um, and when I lost my mom um, when I was in college, I was actually in art school at the time. And art was my medium, mostly like sculpture and photography um, to process the grief that I was going through. Um, and uh, then um, in recent years, I got into stand-up comedy and I, I wasn't thinking that I would be able to kind of merge my reimagined life and my stand-up life. They felt fairly different. 
um, but actually through the festival and and just kind of the more, you know, kind of thinking about what the role of stand-up or comedy in general in society has been is really kind of raising kind of taboo um, topics and and creating a gateway in to sort of explore hard topics, uncomfortable topics. And so as part of um, the festival in 2018, um, I organized a couple comedy shows um, that were kind of stand up and storytelling around topics like grief and loss. And um, what it provided, you know, I think one was that there were people that came to these shows because we we partnered with like a, a large comedy club in San Francisco, the Punchline, and um, you know, there were people that showed up at that comedy show who were just coming because it was like a punchline show. And they weren't necessarily like, ooh, I want to talk about grief and loss. And then you had the people, you know, maybe from the reimagined community who were showing up um, because of that topic. And it and what was kind of amazing, I, I wouldn't describe it as like a standard comedy show in that like, you know, there definitely were moments where comedians cried. Um, they got very real, um, but it also kind of just, to me, there was like an opening that was created for people in that room um, that wouldn't necessarily have shown up at kind of a, an event that was just like, let's talk about our grief. Um, and I also think that's, especially for men, because, um, you know, in general, you know, men, um, you know, don't, tend to engage as much in mental health kind of, wow. you know, conversation, things like that. Um, and so, you know, just looking at some of our other events compared to the stand-up ones, um, which was really more of a mix of men and women and wasn't predominantly women. And I think it was in large part because of the topic or the medium in which we were talking about it. So are you telling jokes about death? Yes. Um, like knock, knock, who's there? Or? No, I I would say, I mean, there definitely were some funny, <laughs> which is probably slightly inappropriate things I'm not going to say right now. But oh. um, for example, like I did, um, the story that I told um, was when I found out that my mom was about to die. And I was a, I was uh, studying abroad at the time in Australia, and it was um, although my mom had had cancer, it had come back, and we didn't know, and so it was very, you know, I I basically got home five hours before she died. She was already in a coma, and you know, absolutely one of the more traumatic experiences, if not probably the most, um, in my life, and you know, something honestly. Not that I never thought about it, but it was something that I, if it did come up, it was sort of like a, Ugh, like, and let me move on. Because it, it's like, it was, you know, really painful. Um, and then when I started, you know, kind of thinking about what was I going to share, and I, and I started thinking about that experience, but really kind of from a more comedic lens. There was so much ridiculousness that I had done in those 24 hours after learning, um, you know, my mom was about to die. And I did, I mean, I did just weird things. Like I, I forgot that, that um, I could exchange the Australian money I had into American money. I like that never occurred to me. So I was like, I need to spend down all of my money before I leave. And I literally went to McDonald's and bought 
like a hundred hamburgers for the entire dorm and just went around and passed them off. And what the other kind of part of this, not only was I doing kind of weird things, it was that everyone was so supportive of me in that process. Like I literally could have done anything and everyone was like, Dara, do what you need to do. It's fine. And it was, you know, kind of this gift, honestly, for me to kind of go back into that experience. And it, it, it wasn't, you know, it definitely brought up hard things as well when I was trying to do it, but it did become my own gateway to further explore something um, that I did have deep grief about. So I'm just laughing because I have a friend who lost her husband. And I always say to her, we use like the dead we pull the dead husband card on this. And, and sorry, a Amy, I don't know, Dara, are you, I'm hearing Amy very, very quietly. Relative yeah. To like you're, you, oh. we're, we're having a hard time hearing you, Amy. Okay. Is that, is that any better? Not much better. I don't not know. Not much better. better. Yeah. I wasn't sure. I've been. Not, not to be How's a bad that? guest. How's That's that? great. That was okay. a whole, whole turn of events. Okay. I had to up my mic. Um, no, I was just saying that I have a friend who I'll say something to who lost her husband and I'll say, can we, can we, can we pull the dead husband card on this? And she's always like, of course, like if I can't use it, then what point was it? Like, it, and so we, and I think that it's interesting because so many people will not even touch the topic of death, right? Like they won't even say, how are you doing? Because they, they're, they're fearful of what that opens up for people. But I think the reality is, is you there's probably not a day that goes by that you don't think about your mom. No. Yeah. So it's not reminding you of something you didn't know. No, absolutely not. And that's, and, you know, I think I first sort of experienced this with the dinner party and kind of having a space. And this was about 10 years after I'd lost my mom. And I didn't really think I had that much to share um, when I had my first dinner party. And it was like, when I actually thought about how many parts of my life continue to be impacted by my mom and the loss of her and like how present it was. And it wasn't that, yeah, like it, she comes up every day, at least once a day in different ways, but I didn't take the time or, or again, because I think it's a painful thing. It was a little bit of a, like a shoving it to the side. Um, and what I found, you know, kind of through talking about it was this sort of freedom that I hadn't felt. It was like actually taking up a lot more kind of space in like not a good way because I wasn't actually like processing or acknowledging it. And, you know, I think it's the same thing with the comedy. It's like, it's kind of given me a, a tool to kind of think about it in different ways. And, and, and with that, um, I do think I'm like, almost more present in life in a, I don't know, ex kind of beautiful way. Well, and Brad, isn't that sort of the point of reimagine? No. Part, part of it? Oh, not at all. No, I'm just kidding. Okay. I, I don't know. I, I, I think, I think, I, I think I'm it's like, just because wait, you're... I thought we had a conversation about this a couple times. No, I, I, I'm sorry. I apologize for making any jokes. It's just no, Dara was talking no. about comedy for so long that I just... I like it. I like uh, it. No, that's, that's, that's exactly, that's, that's, I mean, yeah, you nailed the point of reimagine. I mean, and, and their story is really indicative. I, I find myself, honestly, just to, in sincerity right now, reflecting on my own experiences, Dara, with, with death as you're, as you're talking and, and realizing, yeah, I haven't really looked to find the humor 
in those experiences per se. And I wonder, Amy, about your 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 friend. Did she? Did, you know how you you talking about pulling the dead husband card? I, I guess I assume that she created a gateway for you to be able to make those jokes. It wasn't like the first time you made it, I would assume. You weren't like, I'm going to try this one out on my no, friend. No, um, no. I, I mean, well, obviously. Right. But which is, it's just kind of interesting because I do think that sometimes we, we don't make jokes about these things because we're, or, or because we're afraid again, that in, in some cases it might be true. You might offend somebody, right. If you, if you talk, if you evoke their, their loved one, I'm thinking about my, what came up for me is my friend Sarah that that died as I dated women subsequently because I was very close to Sarah um, in my early twenties. That they're somehow they're still threatened by by um, by my relationship to Sarah, who's like no longer alive. And I'm like, I don't know I find it like almost offensive. It's like I I don't know why. It just it, it bothers me that it's that people are like, oh, I, you won't be able to be close to me because you still like love this person, and. And I'm like, well, you know, she's not even here. So she's it's dead. kind of like, well, she yeah, might be here. But... Well, she's right. She's dead. <laughs> and, and it's just, I don't know. It just made me think about this and how that actually, I get upset when people bring it up in that way. You know, it's like, um, and I wonder if someone made a joke about it, if I would have been, a, I, I might be upset too. But, but I think what happens in the, going to the comedy show, when you see comedians who are leaning into that or people who are expressing themselves, um, in a way maybe that you hadn't considered expressing yourself, it does make you see all of a sudden, man, maybe there's more sides to this than, than I've considered. And I, and I think that's the point. And I, I mean, sometimes we talk about that grief is more like, like it's like a Jackson Pollock painting. I mean, it's, it's, it's not just one singular hue of an emotion. It has all the, all, all the, 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 the pains and the, the sorrow, but it also has the laughter and, and can bring up memories of the joy. And there's just so many parts to it. It's such a unique emotion in that way that it does connect you in, in these really incredible ways because it makes you feel so much. And in our culture where we're so much like, you know, how is your day? It's like, oh, great. You know, or um, that, we, that we don't really have opportunities to lean into all of these parts and grief in itself is so encapsulating of all of them that it's like that perfect emotion to, to make you feel like the most expansive. Um, yeah. Right. Because I think what, what puts us up against, like what really helps us face our life is death. And Dara, to your point, like the ridiculousness of it all sometimes is, and that, yes, Brad, I have a, this is one of my very dear friends and we, I, you know, I can talk to her about anything so I could say that to her and I know she's okay with it. I mean, I wouldn't say that to a stranger on the street, but I do think that humor can diffuse the intensity of these situations in so many ways because it is ridiculous to be, you know, it, it seems ridiculous. And sadly, it seems like it's happening more and more to be in your 40s and be without your spouse, a it's, widow, it's, a widower. It, it's just. It's so funny to your, to your point. It's like humor can refuse the ridiculousness of some, or, or, or is, that, is that what you just said? Humor diffuse, can, yeah, diffuse. diffuse like, right, right, right. Sorry, diffuse. The, but, and also, humor has this diffusing property, and then death itself has this other kind of diffusing property about how we think about our life, right? Like, mm -hmm. so, so both of these things have these, these properties that kind of shift you into a new relationship with, with, with yourself. I don't know. I'm just seeing that in this conversation. 
Yeah, I mean, I totally, totally agree. So, so let me shift this a little bit because this year has certainly brought us a ton of grief and loss, right? I mean, it's everywhere. What have you seen at Reimagine in terms of the need for these services? How are you rethinking what you're offering to people? What are people kind of coming? Because you guys are really kind of at the forefront of this. I mean, you've got some pretty heavy hitters in terms of who's supporting you and who's you know on your board and things along those lines. So what are you seeing and how are you reimagining what we all need in terms of grief and loss and living in life and, and all of it? Tara? Sure. Um, yeah, so, I mean, I literally right before this got off of a program um, about um, children who've experienced loss. A reimagined program. A reimagined program, yeah. And, um, and I think, you know, really one of the most kind of moving parts of all of the programming that we do are seeing the connections that happen between people, even just in the chat. Um, or in the breakout rooms, um, and how people, um, I, you know, some of it is COVID related, but obviously, you know, people have, are experiencing loss all the time and have, you know, it's like people are grieving all of the time. And there is this power of just hearing like, yes, me too, that I like, you know, it's like the, 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 widow who has, you know, hearing somebody else who is going through that similar experience. And I think that um, there is, you know, we, we had been doing in-person festivals that were just like week long, 10 day long um, festivals. And, and, but then there wasn't really kind of extended programs beyond that. So there was this sort of like intense connection that was happening during these festivals. And then during the pandemic, we, you know, shifted to all online programming. And so then now there's kind of this, you know, cadence of, of ongoing programming that people are coming back and there is a community that is building. Um, and so I guess, what I'll say is that, I mean, more and more people are coming and wanting to engage with this. And I think that, you know, people, especially with COVID and, you know, just I, I think there is an openness of talking about these these topics that wasn't necessarily there before. But I think ultimately, like people are looking for community and looking for connection and that, you know, this kind of isolation that uh, so many people experienced this year, you know, just even being in quarantine or away from their families, or it's like, I think that the, the solace of having a, a place where they can go and hear other people's stories, um, that's like ultimately, I think what a lot of people are looking for. Um, but I'll have Brad talk to kind of some of the new things that were we're working on um, to I, kind of I just want to say real quick, I love that you call it a festival. <laughs> it sounds so much more fun than a conference <laughs> or a workshop. Well, like a, a death it's, festival. It's, it's, yeah. it's, it's so funny you say that because um, initially we, we internally considered it a festival, but some culture, you know, we wanted to call it that for the very reason you mentioned it, but some of our partners were like, you can't call it a, a, you shouldn't call it a festival because that might be offensive, you know, for some populations. Um, and so we're, we, we, we do, as an organization, work very hard to support different communities of, especially communities of color and, and those of, um, with different sexual orientations, all of whom have varied experiences as, as groups. 
related to how they live and also how they die. So we want to be very respectful of those things. But but we decided not to initially call it a festival because we're like, okay. But then all the people who wrote about Reimagine were like, I just went to this amazing festival. So we're like, oh, cool. So then we started taking the <laughs> clips from the articles and like putting them in our content. So then, you know, by the t- a few, now a year or two later, we can just use the word festival without, without any. Well, um, and so many other cultures really do celebrate death. In, in, in fact, I was in this museum in Los Angeles thinking, um, t- talking about the, the ancient Greeks. I mean, f- festivals on death go back B- BC. Right. Uh, and so it's really more in, in modern times, actually, where, where death itself has been something that has been siloed from our everyday lives in, in, through the medicalization of our culture and the way in which aging and especially death uh, itself happens behind the white walls of a, of a hospital, it's something that you don't see, you're not present with. So it's, it's become more hushed um, than, than it ever was before. And so our hope is to bring it back into community. Uh, back as a part of life and not just death itself, but the rituals and, and the, the sense of connection that, that is often around these parts of life that we've also lost touch with, um, that extend not just at that end moment of life, but could extend all the way through life. So life itself is maybe a more uh, sacred, meaningful endeavor. And, and um, to that end, just to share and piggyback on what Dara was saying, I think the other thing that we've we've learned is... You know, whether, whatever you think about politics, when, when Joe Biden says build back better, this question of better is a very interesting one uh, because I think we often in our culture just talk about being resilient and just being strong. And can we just, can we just like survive and get past this? But what would it look like if, as we think about the pandemic and the grief you know, on a macro scale, but even on an on a individual level, what, what, what would better mean to, to you? Like, could, could things actually be better after going through something, are there parts of life that, that could become, you know, heightened in a, in a beautiful way if you, we let these topics in. And so um, there's this concept called post-traumatic growth, which is becoming maybe more relevant. And, and there's a phenomenon that some people in fact do indeed report after a, a trauma in their life. Oh, I have more meaningful relationships. I have a deeper sense of purpose. I have a deeper appreciation for life and the people in it. I, I feel stronger. Um, and what we're working on now is, is helping people through those deep, through that deepening um, and finding ways that intentionally where we can actually put people in community and, and, and in terms of sh- this type of sharing that we're helping people um, with and the kind of creativity that we're inspiring among not just the presenters, but people who show up. Those elements, it turns out, from even from a research-backed perspective, and we're starting to do our own research on this, are starting to prove out that there's modalities and ways to actually induce this phenomenon of post-traumatic growth. Um, or it's also called benefit finding. Like what are the benefits of this really hard, this really hard thing? It's a positive psychological framework. And um, we're really leaning into that to help people go deeper uh, with one another in community to build a community that wants to really flourish and and face these hard things together and find like, let's do this. And like, let's turn all these horrible parts of, let's not turn away from them, but let's interact with them. Let's dance with them. And through that dance, can we as individuals and as a culture, not just heal, but transform the way that we relate and interact with one another? Well, and I think it's such a, it's such a 
great mission and such a fine line, right? Like I'm always walking it when I work with people who've experienced grief because you want to get to the point where you can start to talk about, okay, how are you going to make meaning from this? How are you going to use this to change and move forward versus getting really stuck in the grief, which happens. You know, I see people sometimes 10 years, 15 years out, and they haven't processed or moved through a significant loss or trauma. And so you get really stuck. And I think your metaphor of dancing, you know, you might not have intended it in this way, but but there is something about that movement, that physical movement that does help people move forward through things yeah. um, because we are all connected in that way. So I really appreciate that. And I know there's so much research right now happening in the post-traumatic growth area as well. So... What do you see or how are you working? Because there's been a lot this year that's come out too around leveling the playing field in terms of how we die and the inequities in the death space. So can you speak to that just a little bit? Yeah, I, I can start. Um, you know, I so we use uh, the acronym JEDI, which is Justice, Equity, Diversity, and Inclusion. Um, and as our kind of guideposts, um, and really foundation of how we approach our all of our work. Um, and, uh, you know, Reimagine started as a community-driven festival, and in that it's always been an open invitation for individuals and organizations to participate, because what we're trying to do is democratize this conversation and amplify underrepresented voices. Um, and so, because that's the only way, you know, like one of, you know, to get to the systemic changes that need to happen, there needs to be forums and opportunities for people to kind of share, like, what isn't working? What does their community need? Where are, where are the gaps? Um, and really how is like the just fundamental system broken? Um, and so we have, you know, I think the way that reimagine how we approach our, you know, programming is that we have many conversations directly on the inequities that are happening um, in um, uh, healthcare and um, at the end of life and kind of all the different ways that that is playing out and what are the sources of those inequities. Um, but we also are having um, like just in terms of trying to amplify voices um, on maybe topics that, you know, it's, it's still embedded in part of the conversation, but it's kind of like trying to get different underrepresented voices um, talking and, and uh, creating events and opportunities for, for people to participate. Um, and we created a series called Table Talk, um, which the idea is that it's by and for different underrepresented communities. And we started with um, the African-American community, we've done the Asian-American community, the LGBTQ community, and we're kind of um, underrepresented uh, also in terms of, you know, people from who have various impairments, um, whether they're, you know, chronically ill, um, physically um, have physical impairments, trying to kind of just um, work with people from those communities to provide the conversations that really like uniquely address the you know needs and and um interests of those communities 
So I don't know if that was too much, but it was, it was, it was a wonderful response from my perspective. What is your what is your hope, Brad? Did you have anything you wanted to add? Maybe the one thing I'll just share is is when we think about death as perhaps life's like greatest transition and transformation. Um, you know, so it's it's like what a shift that is. Like life itself, right? From going from this alive state to this a totally different state, a tra this transformation. And we think about transformation in general. I mean, Dara talks a lot about transformative justice. Um, and, and when we think about the shifts that need to take place in our culture, it's like, there's so many parallels that we can take from, from these shifts and what it means to transform something and learning. And, and so we've just done a lot of thinking about transformation and how to consider that, at, um, on this individual level, but on, on a broader social level and what is it going to take and creating some models out there for what it looks like when transformation happens in a, in a, in a beautiful way, because there's so many uh, models in our culture like interventions that are so important that that point out inequities, um, that 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 call out things that aren't working, but we want to try to create models to showcase how things actually could work. Um, and so our festivals, I think, were indicative of that by intentionally bringing together people from different backgrounds, uh, all coming together to because this, these topics are universal and universal transformation to engage in these, this dialogue and then doing it. Intentionally thinking about that on so many different levels, like what does it look like to see something when it works? When you see people from different cultures sharing openly, when people maybe who are white aren't necessarily centered in a conversation, but are but are allies to, to communities of color, like what does that actually look like in practice? And we're really on the front lines in many ways, I think, in experimenting with what that could be. And so this intersection between um, the transformation at our end of life and transformation around social justice. We really see that coming together through through this work at Reimagine. Well, I'm really excited for the next Coachella of death and to maybe come. Well, it, we are, Dara and I are talking right now about a, a, a festival in Los Angeles in June of this year that would be mostly digital. Oh, sorry, this excuse year? me. Sorry, sorry. I, uh, not June. I, I apologize. <laughs> I almost had June. a heart attack. I was like, Sarah, you have a lot of work to do. Um, yeah, three sorry. days. Three days. That's actually, if you do, if we start, if we shoot for June, maybe we'll be able to actually pull this off by um, November when we've actually talked about doing this. Uh, but we're working with the city of Los Angeles to, to host kind of a larger outdoor experience, but then an online experience for the whole country. Um, to come together in a festival-like environment to explore um, what these themes uh, again as a community in November. So Coachella for you could be coming. Could be coming. Deathchella. When <laughs> is, if people want to learn more about what you do, and then because we are recording this live on Fireside, I will open it up for questions if anybody has questions for Brad and Dara. Um, but where can people find you if they're curious about what you're doing? I mean, you have tons of amazing programming uh, that people can be a part of all around grief, loss, death, dying, life, living, joking about death. All the things, and you can find all those things at letsreimagine.org. Let's reimagine. Um, 
yeah, .org is, is where you can find these programs. And you'll, as, as Amy's mentioning, there's so most of the programs are free. I mean, I would say 75% of things that are offered are free. And so um, it's just, it's, and there's really something for everyone. If you keep checking our schedule and our calendar, you'll find incredible offerings. Um, and just come check it out because I think once you experience being in an environment, even if you're just a part fly on the wall at first, uh, to, to kind of get a sense of not just death, but really life in this really unique way um, and diversity and and joy. <laughs> it's something that I know in my own life, been able to really gain strength from and, and take with me and all, all like every day. It's like my life has gotten so much richer just by being around this community. I think I like Deathapalooza. Okay, okay, I see what you're doing now. <laughs> okay. uh, we'll consult with you, Amy, before the, the name. See what I'm doing. Yeah. <laughs> so that's, I am yeah, gonna. Yeah, that could be, that could, be, that people might get freaked out about that after. See, that's, I mean, it's after like the pandemic, you know, I don't know if it's gonna, no offense in the branding there, but I'm just thinking all the way through it. People might have a visceral reaction. To Death of Belusa? Yeah, that's the one. Yeah. I think that's, well, but, but it's a good idea. It's a good I'm thing to consider. Trying to infuse comedy into oh. it. So I'm just going to open it up. If anybody has any questions, uh, go ahead and raise your hand or request to be on the stage. Give it a minute or two. Anybody want to come up and chat with us? Oh, okay, Troy. Troy, just uh, push the monkey to unmute your, yourself. <laughs> There's comedy in that. <laughs> push. I love that question. Dara, do you want to take a crack first? I, I was trying to pull up something I wanted to find, um, but I don't know if I can find it. Oh yeah, here here we go. Go ahead, Dara, though. Well, just along kind of the justice line, I think that, you know, kind of my big takeaway is I think from a lot of the programming is that you know, and, and just taking like, for example, the healthcare system 
in that there needs to be more space and time for people to connect with each other and understand them and see them as individuals. And I think that like, if people um, took like, you know, there actually was that space and acknowledgement that just knowing kind of what questions people, you know, you need to ask people to understand or just to have that like open communication would um, completely change the way that people you know, kind of go through a system. I mean, there's obviously a lot of like systemic changes that, you know, in terms of the structure and, and, but I, I think that my, one of my big takeaways is that if a vision would be that there was that kind of acknowledgement of the importance of that, of that connection and communication. Um, and I also think, um, like on, you know, just in terms of a kind of reimagined topia or utopia would be that, you know, even at moments where it's uncomfortable or um, scary, it's like if everybody kind of took a little bit more of a step or a leap of faith, like of, of engaging in these conversations, um, extending like a hand to help somebody, um, whether that is along a justice or grieving or, you know, it's like so many people don't do things because they're afraid that they're not going to do them well or they're not going to do enough. And then therefore, you know, they don't do anything. And that could be along a justice line. But, it you know, just in terms of people's personal relationships, when um, they're, you know, when they don't step up to support somebody who is going through grief and loss. No. That's great, Dara. And, and, and I would I would add that, um, you know, two things. One, that that by relating ourselves to death, it's one way to, to be more present. It's like almost the, the fear of it, our own mortality and, and becoming conscious of it just helps us focus on what matters, first of all. And so it's like, OK, maybe the bullshit could kind of like fade away a little bit. But the, in terms of what the vision would be, we talk at Reimagine about two lenses to see the world through. Um, one is what we call the red lens, and then one's the green lens. And the red lens is one that's more, more of a fear-based approach to, to, to life, where, where we think there's something wrong with this person. They don't, maybe they don't have the answers to their own questions. Um, and it's your job to, to kind of fix them um, the, the, the people or other people around you are like a drain on you, um, that, um, the, the other person's commitment and motivation in the world are questionable. Right. But, but the green lens is seeing other people as heroes, as whole and complete for who they are, that they have goals and dreams and a desire to make a difference. Everyone has that desire that every person has their own answers that also that other people are contributing to us right now, whether, what, you know, no matter what, they're bringing to us, they're contributing, and that, that other people deserve to be treated with dignity and respect. And so when we start trying to look through life through the green lens, it just opens up how we relate to all people. And it's not something that you have to treat, you know, this person with or that person with, it's just a lens to see the world. And when you start seeing things through that lens, which I think starts happening when, um, you know, when you listen to other people, you start realizing that they are, they are those things. Uh, and, and so by opening up those spaces for those conversations, I think we can move people toward that, that green, that greener lens. 
And that for me would be the ultimate vision for, for what the world looks like when everyone's treating each other through, through that, through that different kind of lens. That's, that's more like a lens of love. Um, and I know it maybe sounds hokey, but I think at reimagine when you start seeing people come together from different backgrounds and different ages and different, um, persuasions to, to, to find commonality and you realize our human experience is, is so much more similar than it actually is different, even though there are differences, realizing those similarities will help us kind of have more empathy to help people pull through the things that are currently different that need to be fixed. Well, and I just want to add sort of where you started, Brad, is this notion I feel like of a contemplative death practice that you're every day kind of contemplating the possibility that today could be your last day is a really, really powerful experience or that anybody you love, this could be their last day or that anybody you interact with, that could be their last day. Because then how do you want, what do you want the nature of those interactions to feel like? And it really does shift the way that you are in the world. I mean, if you think about it, Amy, to your point, like, you know how when you leave a, I don't know if you guys experience this or think about this, but if you leave and you're about to go out of the house, you want to like kiss your kids goodbye, right? Or say like, I love you when you leave. Like, why do we do that? I mean, what is the ultimate reason why leaving at that moment, why, why we're saying goodbye in that moment with like, oh, I've got to make sure I say goodbye, like before I go out of the house. I mean, it's, it's really, it's really related to this, this, this unspoken re- understanding that we have somewhere deep in ourselves that like, man, this might be the last time I ever see this person because death is, ine- is inevitable for all of us and you never mm-hmm. know when it's going to happen. Right. But kind of holding that more central in that belief and extending that out to these other parts of our lives, Troy, I think could, could, could make a difference. So thank you, Troy, for coming up and asking that. Also, I'm going to invite, I know, I think it's, I'm going to invite you up and I think no, your name is not pronounced Michaela because I heard you on something else, but I don't want to screw up pronunciation. Hello? Uh, right? It's not. It's, it's. <laughs> Michaela. Okay. I knew it wasn't because I heard, I, I was in a room with you the other night and I was like, I'm going to remember that, but I didn't. So thanks for coming on up. What can we what can we talk with you about? Let's let's do it, Michaela. Oh, Michaela. 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 Oh, Michaela. Michaela's invited too, but definitely would prefer Michaela now. (laughs) Sorry. Yeah. Yeah. No, and I. Second that, 
um, you know, and just oh, just the I, way I, that we've designed. I had a monkey meet. I thought I, I sorry. I, I, really I tried to like click into my by the community. So um, oh, I would. Uh, Mike, I can, I can share my email address. Um, I'm sorry um, if I'm butchering your name again. But then I, I pushed some strange button, yeah. and then oh, the next thing you know, I was like floating into some other email. world. Oh, you're right. Um, yeah, no, I forgot that. I thought I accidentally like, brought somebody else up. I pushed accept to somebody that they like jumped up on stage. Maybe they're maybe they're gone now. Yeah. So. Or maybe I accepted her friendship or something. I don't know what's happening. Anyway, this is my first time here. Uh-oh, okay. All right, all good. Apologies. I'm going to have to figure uh, yeah. that part out. It's okay. I like the way you're saying it. Yep, we got to use, you know, all piggyback on each other to help each other out for sure. Well, thank, thank you. I'll just say Great. thank you, Amy, for the work you're doing because I think after those of you who are following Amy out there, or things they'd uh, like to tell add your friends about Amy because I, the work that she's doing is really transformative and is so in aligned, you know, I think that's why we've had so much joy speaking with you is just there's so much alignment well, in our in our work and also in our so much, hearts Brad and about Dad, Brad, your, the work that we're doing and um, the way that you're opening up these spaces <laughs> through the conversations you're having. And they're not only meaningful, but they're extremely interesting, um, which I think is an another big part of it, right? Oh it's God. not just about the heart, it's also about the mind and that kind of intersection. I feel like you're really walking a really beautiful nope, you got it right. uh, line there. So just a big applause to you. And, and we look forward to uh, partnering with you and, and supporting you however we can uh, oh. throughout our, our journey. Let me together. see. Let me see. If anybody else wants to get on, I'll give it another minute or two. I know I'm still learning all the buttons and everything. Oh, she's back. She's back. Oh, she said no worries. No worries. It's all good. So thank you both so much. Um, excited that we finally did this. We've spoken a couple of times, like off offline, and always have a lot of fun and laughter when we do. So thank you for actually sharing this. You're an incredible, open, idio, ideo, ideo. What is? Um, with the world. So thank you both so much for your time today and for everything you're doing in this space. It's really incredible. Great. Well, thank, thank you. I'll just say thank you, Amy, for the work you're doing, because I think after those of you who are following Amy out there, uh, tell your friends about Amy, because I, the work that she's doing is really transformative and is so in aligned, you know, I think that's why we've had so much joy speaking with you is just there's so much alignment in our in our work and also in our hearts about the work that we're doing and um, the way that you're opening up these spaces through the conversations you're having. And they're not only meaningful, but they're extremely interesting, um, which I think is an another big part of it, right? It's not just about the heart, it's also about the mind and that kind of intersection. I feel like you're really walking a really beautiful uh, line there. So just a big applause to you. And, and we look forward to uh, partnering with you and, 
and supporting you however we can uh, throughout our, our journeys together. Thank you. Thank, thank you, you both so much. And thank you everybody for listening today as well. Like what you heard today and want to hear more? Wondering what comes next and what it all means? Head over to Apple Podcast, Spotify, Stitcher, Google Play, or anywhere you get your podcasts and hit subscribe. Also, if you could take a minute to rate and review my podcast, I would really appreciate it. Stay tuned as we continue to explore life, death, and the space between. <laughs>